1: Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain.
2: The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host
0: are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself depending on the subject matter and your needs.
2: Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Often, when we hear stories of near death experiences, we meet someone who is an author and is really out there sharing their message. Well, it's not so with our guest today. Josh Lucian is the owner of Elegant Flooring in Roanoke, Virginia. He found me on Facebook. And just felt this gentle nudge at his system that it was time to share his story. Now, when we talk to Josh, you'll notice that he seems very wise for a young man, and he's also got some really interesting things to say about the magic of nature and how powerful our thoughts are. So welcome, Josh.:
3: Welcome. I'm so happy to be here, and I love your work and love everything you do. and I just want to thank you for the message share and it's an opportunity to be here.
2: Oh, thank you very much. You know, each episode really enlivens me and I can talk about what I'm passionate about. And it also helps me remember the big picture because it's very easy for us to forget the bigger picture. Anyways, so I'm very happy to be here and I'm happy you're here. So Josh, you were telling me before that you got some nudges from the universe. And if you wouldn't mind, just Tell us a little bit about you and what you do.
3: Yeah, I, I run a construction company. We focus on bathroom remodels and kitchens. Um, we've been doing it for nine years now. The work is literally a reward within itself. The, um, the nudge you were talking about, this particular job I have allows me to meet a ton of different people and be inside their personal space, inside their home, and they trust me. So I get to have very close conversations with many people, and sometimes they share their beliefs with me and things like that, and we we try to talk about that. And this one particular woman, um, she was an elderly woman, she lost her husband about six years ago, and she was still grieving and kind of going about it because it was the anniversary when she lost her husband. So the first thing I did was give her a big old hug, and I was like, you know what, he's still right here with you, and just the pain that you're feeling right now is only the fact that you're focusing on what's gone. You're not focusing on what you gained, and all the life that you've spent with him, and all the love that you've shared is very much still there. With the power of thought, you can return to it whenever you want, and it's a gift. You're just looking at the bad side of it, and immediately, her tears went away, and the hug probably did it, I just maybe a combination of the two, but she needed to hear that. Well, in doing so, it opened up a conversation, and she said, you know what, I've been looking for answers for this, and I've been reading a book called Proof of Heaven, We Don't Die by Evan Alexander. Yes. Yeah. And it was a very powerful book to her, and she started talking. I didn't even share the fact that I had a near-death experience. I just wasn't listening to her, trying to understand the cause of her pain. And as she was talking about it, she was confirming her own belief in it. And everything she said resonated with me so deeply. It was like she was telling my story. I was like beside myself. I was like, wow, I've never read this book before. And uh, she pulled it out. And after she told me the whole story, everything that she could recall, I I told her my story at that point. Her jaw just hit the floor and she said, wow. I cannot believe that, and uh, she said, it's just so amazing, and she was beside herself. She said, you need to share this story with other people. She said, look at all the good that this book has done, for example. yeah. And I said, it's, it's not about sharing my story that's important. It's about the lesson of what it allows you to do with your life. Right. It's because even though you've lost something, the loss is just looking at it from our temporary Position of where we 're at, pain is temporary and it 's very brief, but it 's because that we feel like we 've lost something, but life and the universe has a way of restoring what we 've lost as soon as there is a vacuum, something else will come into our life to replace exactly what we 've lost. But if we close ourselves off and we only focus on what we 've lost. We won't have our eyes open enough to see the new coming in that replaces exactly what we've lost. It may not be exactly what you've lost, but you still have the memories, you still have the thoughts, you still have the love. Everything is still there. It's just in a different manifest, because change is the only constant I've known in life.
2: Yeah, it's true. Interesting. I've never heard that about the vacuum before. But it makes sense to me without my dad's death, just the way he went. I would have never researched grief. I would have never shared my story about the afterlife. And we wouldn't be here today. So Josh, tell us about your near-death experience.
3: I was six years old and we were, me and a little girl named Angie, we were running outside to go play. We lived on the second floor apartment and there was this big rail on the side and it it had a a flat spot, kind of like a balcony and then it had a long rail, and I used to put my armpit over the rail and kick my legs up and go sliding down the rail and bypassing all the steps and kind of just jumping off into a run as I would take off down the steps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Angie was racing me to go outside, so I just got my arm on the top of the rail, and she just gave me a little nudge, just a little push, just enough to try to slow me down so she could beat me going down the steps. That push was enough to send me right over the balcony, head first, following about 16 feet right onto concrete. And it, it split my head open almost like a melon. But children are amazing. Our, we are made perfect in all regard. Our head, I've done a lot of research on the skull and I've tried to look at things skeptically, you know, other <clears throat> than just a miracle, how I could have survived. Our brain has natural zipper marks within it and it's for expansion of growth for children. And if it wouldn't have been for this natural expansion of growth, I would have been in a fully adult where my head was hardened. It would have cracked like an egg. There would have been no way they could have put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mm -hmm. But being a kid, my head absorbed some of the impact and it fractured at the same time. My mom... According to her, I stood back up after the injury. I walked back upstairs and collapsed in her arms. Oh. I don't I don't remember walking upstairs. I don't remember. I remember the fall, and that's it. How I got back up and walked upstairs, that must have been muscle memory or the angels themselves carrying me up to her arms. She blames herself for not watching me because a babysitter— was the one watching us supposedly, and she wasn't. So she still blames herself for this injury alone happened. I said, "No, mom, it was a gift. Everything is a gift. You have no idea of what you've given me, even though I know it looks like pain on the outside. It's not about what happened to you in the past. It's about what you become and why you became that. And I'm thankful for everything in my past, even the bad stuff. After I fell down." I went into this dark, dark place. It was absolutely no light. It was like when you shut your eyes in a black room, the infinite darkness. I still had my thoughts. I still had my feelings. I still had my personality. Everything was intact, but I was more confused. And no sooner than a feeling of being scared came in for the first time, something called to me. And it's not like a you're calling your name, it's more of a vibration of a music that soothes your soul. And as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, that's all right. That came over me every time I would start to feel negative feelings of fear and worry. And I couldn't move. I couldn't even see myself. I had no frame of reference. I don't know exactly what brought on the feeling of surrender, but it wasn't until I surrendered myself I literally just said, all right, there's no point in me trying to grab on to anything, trying to get out of this. There's no escape. There's no way out of it. No sooner than I did that, that's when I literally felt this expansive feeling, like I was expanding. It's really hard to describe this because it's not something we do at all. Right. But if you were in a dark room and your eyes are shut, all of a sudden your point of view changes from the outside of the room looking inward to where you once were. And you've expanded so large, the point where you once were is so tiny and so minuscule you can see a little tiny light. And the light is very small, but it is piercing and infinitely strong at the same time, but it's very, very far away. Well no sooner than you see that light and I guess this is the tunnel that everybody talks about after listening to countless near death experiences that I went into that tunnel and it's not like you have a frame of reference like you do here where your eyeballs and you see A to B. I was literally, I felt like somebody pulled the drain out of a a tub and I was being siphoned down into this thing that was calling for me with this beautiful humming home just a vibrating hum sound and I can't even describe it. I wish I could hit the right tone and re-repeat it because it was so beautiful and it called my name. Well, as I was moving toward this tunnel, I began to see things that didn't make a whole lot of sense because it was like I was literally letting go of aspects of myself. I was becoming so much more that where I once was seemed minute in comparison to where I was moving to and it's hard to describe it's almost like your awareness you just expand outside of yourself and all of a sudden you can see things much differently that's the advantage point i had the closer i got to this light well no sooner than i i started getting to this light i started getting faster and faster and faster and the more i wanted to get there the faster i would get there and i even had the feeling in my stomach like when you're on a roller coaster and you hit the top of that hill and you feel that funny little feeling in your stomach I had that as well I mean I was moving like I just took off from a jet plane the faster I went the faster I could go well no sooner than I made it to the end of this vortex that's at the point that everything around me was literally like a beautiful white mist and the mist it is so hard to describe because it was radiating light itself And it was surrounding everywhere, and I saw these little tiny firefly-type things. They were flying around, and they were able to weave strands of light in front of me, and they fabricated this beautiful tree, the most beautiful tree you could ever imagine. In fact, the roots of it, which went down into the water that the mist revealed, and I saw these roots went down into the water and became the earth itself that I was standing on. And it was so tall and so massive, as I looked up to the top, the leaves branched out and became the sky itself. This tree was everything that I was encompassed by. And it was, I couldn't see any end. I was not surrounded by boundaries. I had uh, a different point of view that I've never had in life before. It was. It's hard to explain. It's not your two eyeballs type sight.
2: Josh, we need to take a quick break and then when we return, we'll have you continue with the story of your near-death experience. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
0: We're happy to let you know that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows all for free. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. coasttocoastam.com is where you want to be.
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With BetterHelp. Visit betterhelpcom shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.help.com slash shades. Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol
5: Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of the girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend Bob. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the health care law called the Affordable Care Act? Let this be the year you get screening tests that can detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in the way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you.
5: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends.
2: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're with Josh Lucian. Josh, you were just describing this magnificent tree of life. What happened next? As
3: I'm looking at this tree from all perspective and watching it being fabricated by these little strands of life that are weaving themselves together, this beautiful figure steps out from behind the tree, and her face was radiating with a glow that was like when you look at the sun on a sunset day, you can see the outline of the sun, and you can look at it just enough to where it doesn't hurt your eyes, but it is so beautiful. That is the outline that was coming from her face. I could not see the details of her face. I could just see her beautiful golden eyes that were as blue as the sky, but it still had the outline of the, the sun through her whole face and everything about her. And she was wearing a beautiful white robe, to this day, I've tried to say, who is this figure? And I was six years old. I had no belief system or anything from which to draw upon this tree, which represented life and love. As soon as this figure stepped out, I was aware of what it was and I was aware of why I was there. I didn't even know I was dead. She explained to me that uh, this was a transitional choosing period and I needed to make a choice. And I am loved unconditionally. There is no pain. There are no worries. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. And she did all that with just a look. She didn't have to say it. She didn't have to act it out or any, any other way, just with a look. It's sheer knowing. Yes. The amount of information that she gave me with just a glance is like relaying your entire life story to someone with just a look. And it's that feeling that I've learned to accept now in life that when I see somebody and I'm drawn to them for whatever reason, there's a reason why that's there. It's the same pull that I had with my near-death experience. I get in life, too, all the time. And I have great lessons to learn from these people because they're all teaching great, valuable lessons to one another. We're all all picking up pieces of ourselves that, that we've lost at some point along our journey. After she did this, she said, come with me. And at that point, I awoke in a beautiful field where the grass was just as green. There was mountains so high, there's nothing to compare it to. I mean, the mountains around here aren't even considered mountains to what I saw there. And the sky was just so beautiful. And the birds were out of this world. They were moving like flocks of fish. And every animal was not fearful of me that I saw there. They were all loving me as if I was them. We all had the same understanding that there was nothing to fear and everything was loved. And there was even other children there. And what she relayed to me through that whole thing, uh, it's it's hard for me to put into words over a one-hour conversation because of the amount of information she dumped into me. I wasn't able to keep all of it. And there's certain reasons why I can't remember that. And that's because it would take away from who I am now and we were having a blast. I remember at one point we were playing tag, jumping from mountain top to mountain top along these gigantic mountains, literally skipping along playing tag. And at one point I jumped into this huge body of water and I remember the water twisted upside down and I was running on the bottom of the water with these fish that were moving through the water just like birds and it was so beautiful. I could talk about this forever the clouds there are not like they are here this was almost like a lucid dream but with the vivid realness of reality but I had complete control so no sooner than I would look at the clouds I was making something out of the clouds and it was always to honor me I felt so honored and so loved there we were literally all just one and loving company of love and It's such a powerful feeling that anybody that has ever passed, we should be celebrating at the fact that they are in the honor of this love, because what we are going through here on earth is a reflection of that, but yet we are living separate lives from the connective nature of everything that is, and that's only so we can teach ourselves a very important lesson of how love unites and connects everything. We can't do it if we're already connected is the problem. And so by living this singular life, we can learn the, the power and the lessons that love has to teach. But love there is the fundamental building block and is the fundamental feeling that gives strength and gives meaning behind everything. And this is where it gets a little crazier. As
0: I was looking at a
3: flower, I've seen many things there that science has later confirmed to be real. I was looking at a flower, and each part of this flower made... The entire picture of the flower within the piece of the flower uh, and I later known this was something called a fractal and everything like that was comprised of somewhat like a fractal every part of the smallest hole made up the entire large macro hole there was no individual there was no singular but at the same time everything was an exact copy what its smaller product was. And so I, I try to use that when I look at life now and when I see things. And it it's come to find out, science has really found out that really our existence somewhat, the way nature uses these building blocks is fractal by existence. But everything there is a perfect piece of a perfect whole, but yet, If you are to look and you are to narrow down your field of vision, you see the whole within the smallest part of it. And you always see an aspect of yourself, which is that divine love and everything. And it cooperates with you in a loving way. This doesn't fall under any religious concepts or anything. I was... My parents were atheists for the most part. Growing up, my mom uh, accepted spirituality after this. Well, this is the part where, after meeting and interacting with these children for what I felt like thousands of years, and I can go in more in detail about what we done and all that, if you'd like. I was given a choice at the very top after I was playing with these children. The top of the largest mountain that I like to go to a lot, and it was the every time I would find the largest mountain, there was always one a little bit bigger. It was always something else to keep me enthused, and it was creating this for me. I had the childlike enthusiasm of being always excited. Even though I knew everything that was, I had no fear, no worries, no judgment, and the the feeling of love you get there is truly an unconditional, infinite love that only maybe you've touched upon in life a dozen or so times, and it's very brief. It's such a constant feeling there. We should not feel sorry for anybody that has passed. It is by far the most completing, awe-inspiring feeling I've ever had in my life. But after having all this with these children, I met the woman again, and she said, now is the time for your choice. In so many ways or words, as soon as I saw her, I knew. And at this point, I went through another vortex. She pulled me back into the ball of light, and the vortex we went through here I experienced something different. It wasn't like the vortex of the darkness that I went into the first time when I left my body. This one was much more, it was almost like living thoughts. The thought of everything that I thought I was was gone. I couldn't even recognize myself because I lived so long in this place. What I thought I was, the thoughts of this world were no longer with me. I had forgotten those they basically never even existed. I was having so much fun with these children in the now that was, an appreciation of being all that is. I didn't even recall the life that I lived here on Earth. And because I awoke to something so much more, it literally seemed minuscule in comparison, but our lives have so much meaning to ourselves. Well, as she said, I had this choice. I had an omnipresent view, and I'm in the hospital at this point. I'm looking at a little boy laying in a bed. I'm looking at a woman sitting in a chair, one of them little orange plastic chairs. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was two of them and a little table sitting there, and it had a meal on it. The door was shut and the blinds were put down. It was very dark. And the way I was seeing things in this vision, you could see people's pain. You could feel people's pain. You were connected to everything in that room. And I didn't know that I was looking at myself. The little boy was me. I had no idea that was me until looking back now. I know that it was me, and it took me a long time to grasp because I had forgotten myself in so many ways. But I was still remembering the love that my mother had toward me. I was still connected to her because of the love. And the love is the seed at which that we survive through death. All the negative stuff that happens in life, that's quickly forgotten, just like it's forgotten in life. But those loving moments, like when a father first picks up his child and looks into their eyes, those moments last forever, and they last there, too. You don't forget those. And as I'm looking at myself and my mother, the doctor walks in, and I didn't know it was a doctor. It was a guy dressed in white robes, and I was like, who's this guy dressed in all white? He looks kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he comes in, and at that point, my, my mother's color changed. It was almost like I was looking at her, and there was a bubble around her, a bubble around me, and a bubble around the doctor, and these bubbles were flashing very fast. And as she was interacting with him, I didn't hear, but by the sounds of them communicating and opening their mouth, the bubbles merged in and intertwined with one another and it changed the color of what she was, and I felt what she felt and it was horrible news. The doctor had told her that your son is more than likely never going to recover to live a normal life. This is very hard because the memory itself brings up the pain of what I felt then. As the doctor told this to her, my mother collapsed in his arms, and she said, no, no, she was in denial. And the doctor continued to tell her that It may be all right. I've seen children recover, but I've never seen anything like this without some injury of some sort. I just wanted to prepare you for this, the reality of may what happened. And a tear even went down the doctor's eye because he had just told a mother that her son is more than likely going to be a vegetable, maybe never walk, brain dead, whatever the case is. And that consumed her soul. And I still feel the pain upon the memory of recalling this. And it is the worst pain that you can imagine. Well, as she was sitting there, the doctor left. She got down on her knees. She grabbed my hand. She said, please, God, do not take my only son from me. I'll never forgive myself. The pain that I felt still sticks with me to this day. I'm a strong guy, and I very rarely ever get emotional. But the pain was so real to her, it was her prayer was my choice.
2: Josh, we need to take a break and we will come back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: The four
0: organization. The Art Bell Vault has classic audio waiting for you now. Go to -to coasttocoastam.com for details.
5: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
0: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, it's the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren. Don't forget to check out my show, Strange Things, each week as I bring you the world of the truly amazing and bizarre right here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
5: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends.
2: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're here with Josh Lucian as he shares his near-death experience and his wisdom for living life. Josh, you left us last with your mom. What was it that had you come back?
3: The pain was so real to her, and her prayer was my choice. And I didn't know that at the time. The next thing I know, there's some normal light fairies that I saw that were making the tree and everything that I wanted to be in the other world. Now, it spun themselves around my head, and I felt myself laying back in my body again. And it was about a week after that, I woke up from being in a coma. I had this funny helmet on. I was like, what just happened? I had no idea. The last thing I knew, I was and they're watching a person feeling all this pain and the pain is the connection of love they go hand in hand you can't truly love something if you don't feel the pain of loss when they're gone it's just natural accept it for what it is absorb it and then use it to honor that love even more you can look at it from the sense of no ego it's our own selfishness that doesn't want to let this person go from their life because we want them to be there for us. But the reality is they're always with us. At the power of thought, we can go back to them whenever we want. And you come to acceptance and know that you're always in the loving presence of anybody you've ever lost. They're always with you. Honor them with your life and with your heart because they are a part of you. And that's the way you feel. You are connected to all that you love and the world that is that comes next. And if anybody was looking back they would only want you to be loved and cherished and feel the divine love that they're feeling at that particular moment that they know you will share one day
2: when you're a child i mean obviously well i'm guessing you must have been in tremendous pain when you woke up
3: oh I, yeah i had a lot of issues uh like i said i was born left-handed i became right-handed afterwards i had to wear this funny helmet for about a month and a half even so much as tapping my head could have killed me at that point I should not have recovered I was literally a medical miracle of the fact that I survived to this day I don't have any permanent injury there's nothing wrong with me in fact I was putting an LD class uh, learning disabled after all this for about two years because I was still learning to operate and I had to learn motor functions again and stuff and out it they gave me an IQ test in about the 3rd grade and I scored 148 which uh come to find out it was the highest in the whole school
6: wow and they
3: said well, how could a kid that had a severe brain injury score so high and they said apparently he's he already knows this stuff
2: Josh when you were young did you remember that near death experience or did it take a little while
3: uh I remembered it true and blue I just didn't know how to explain it uh, I told my mother about it. I told her about the place I'd seen in a kid-like way. Yeah. I had nothing to relate it to. I told her about the beautiful woman and flying around the mountains. And they're like, okay, he was probably dreaming in a coma. you know. And they, they kind of shook it off like that. Around the age of 12, I told her that I went somewhere. When I passed, I actually went somewhere because I physically felt the feeling of moving And being moved, just like when you're on a roller coaster, except a thousand million times faster. I was going at the speed of light at one point. Yeah, I was definitely being moved. And I explained all this to her in such a way that she knew after I told her what the doctor said, that was absolute confirmation because she never shared what the doctor told her. She never shared the prayer that she said in silent with anybody once i told her that she knew that i was still in that room while the ekg or the brain monitor i was in a vegetative state i should have had no senses i shouldn't have been able to dream i shouldn't have been able to fathom anything whatsoever let alone have an experience that is exactly like real life but in a different set of senses that i don't even have presently so If my brain can do all that while injured, we're really not using but 10% of our brain, like they say, because you can only access the other 90 when you leave your body, apparently.
2: Josh, how did this impact your
6: mom?
3: She blamed herself for a while because she didn't watch me. She put her faith you know, somebody else to watch me, and she always blamed herself for that. And I told her, I said, you don't have to, uh, to blame yourself. In fact, it's been one of the greatest gifts in my life. There's a series of mirrors. I've come to accept that life is a mirror in so many ways. And one of the mirrors is is to see yourself doing compulsive acts of things over and over. And for example, hurt guilt is somewhere that our mind tends to go back to because it's looking for something to blame other than accepting responsibility for ourselves and everything in our life. And in doing so, all you're doing is passing the buck to something else. You're not actually owning it.
2: And can we Accept we can,
3: if we, if we have the faith to know, and by life's experience, I could explain to you doing some thought experiences. For example, anybody can do this at home. I can prove to you that your loving feelings have an effect on your material world around you. You can take bananas from the same stalk of bananas on one. Focus all the love that you have to offer to that banana. On the other, plucked from the same one, focus all your negative feelings of hate and anguish. Over the next three days, confirm each day the love and the hate on different bananas and watch what happens to those bananas. Uh, I've done this test over a hundred different times, and every time I've even done it with a handicap using a green, green one that I projected hate onto and an older one that I projected love onto. The green one still rotted, still turned black. And if your thoughts can have an effect on bananas to this degree, imagine what they do to your own body. So be what it is you want to be happiness and love is our main pursuit, but we have to do it in a way that we don't take from others. We're accepting responsibilities for the role that we play. And, part and third part, you can't blame anybody for anything in your life. Everybody is a mirrored reflection of who you are. The people that surround you are what define you. If you look to the way people relate to people in their lives, you can normally tell who they are using these mirrors as a good judge of we are what we create, we are what we love. And I, I have my own form of meditation that I try to do every night to center myself to make sure that I'm fully expressing myself to that it is, which I love.
2: How do you do your meditation? Can you share that with us? Uh, I've been meditating since I was
3: 12 and I got into martial arts and Kung Fu. And that's what first got me into wanting to meditate And that darkness that you have. You experience that every night, right before you go to sleep. Meditation is no different than going to sleep, except you're remaining just awake enough to still observe your thoughts, your subconscious thoughts, your soul thoughts. You can put whatever name or label you want behind it. There is another mind at play that is you. My ego was one of the hardest things to let go of. It was always pushing its way in my meditation or a fear. If you have a fear in meditation, it will project itself. And that's all your mind will think about. And we're, most people are fear-based by nature. That's what motivates a lot of people is fear. And it's the natural, will to survive, and duty, and responsibility. You have to let all that go. It's literally as if you were jumping into a black hole. All the man-made words and worries, all that stuff doesn't exist anymore. You're just going into the empty darkness of all that is, and you have no expectation. You nowhere to be, and as soon as you shut yourself off to all that is, then you observe your thoughts. And I try any bit of thing that normally projects itself into my mind is a picture, and those pictures have profound meaning to myself. For example, before I meditate, I'll go into it with a question in mind, but I won't ask the question meditation. I'll physically say it before I meditate, because once I'm meditating, if I apply any conscious thought whatsoever, it's like being in a dream. The moment you realize you're in a dream, you wake up because you just grab control of it. You can't do that. You have to completely let go and be automatic. And sometimes focusing on your breath is a very good way to do it. I found that having a repeating binary sound, much like your heartbeat, that's in sync with your heartbeat. If you can sync your own heartbeat to a binary beat, it works very good because the same thing that keeps your heart beating, the automatic motion of that, and the, the same thing that automatics makes you breathe, You're being self-automated. The moment that you let go completely and you're paying attention to the self-automated aspect of your own body, that's when your mind goes into this place where dreams become available. And dreams are not only to help you in your present, they're to help you overcome fears and worries. And sometimes it's things that you've experienced in the past and you thought that you could do better and it's your way of letting go of regret and forgiving yourself so you can love more fully and more wholly. Doing so and meditating, once I let go of all this, I've seen some very profound things. And it has really helped me understand a lot about myself more than anything. And in doing so, by answering those questions, once you fix your mind, everything else just seems to fall in place.
2: Do you have any thoughts, Josh, as to what the purpose of our life here is? I think
3: everybody else has their own specific purpose we're all doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now god's will is exactly what's happening some people are performing processes that they don't even understand that they're doing and they're doing it completely automatic the only purpose that we're supposed to find is to really enjoy the gift that we've been given if we're not enjoying the gift the same thing that allowed the creator to create us is what we should be embracing Every second that we're alive, and my attitude is love, happiness, and uh, the pursuit of. I like a good Romans 110 where it says all things in nature can clearly be seen by the Creator, and nobody is without excuse. Basically saying all you have to do is look in nature to see the, the Creator because it is seen everywhere. Every time, for example, if you do a little research into plant consciousness or something, you'll find that... Plants are incredibly smart. A tomato plant, and no sooner than a bug attacks it, let's say a spider mite comes along and starts nibbling into it, this tomato plant releases a pheromone that attracts a carnivorous mite to kill it. Now, from an outside perspective, a tomato plant doesn't know anything about bugs. It doesn't even have a brain in order to do this. But this field of consciousness, God, if you want to call it, it puts everything in the exact place where it needs to be to perform its exact role
2: we'll be back you're listening to shades of the afterlife on the iheart radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network
5: Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up.
6: (laughs)
2: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Josh Lucian. Josh, you were just talking about the intelligence in nature.
3: Plants are incredibly smart. A tomato plant, and no sooner than a bug attacks it, let's say a spider mite comes along and starts nibbling into it, this tomato plant releases a pheromone, that attracts a carnivorous mite to kill it. Now, from an outside perspective, a tomato plant doesn't know anything about bugs. It doesn't even have a brain in order to do this. But this field of consciousness, God, if you want to call it, it puts everything in the exact place where it needs to be to perform its exact role. That's why nature is so perfect We have a lot to learn from it, and we also have a lot to learn from children because children are the newest incarnations, and they have the most to teach us about ourselves. They haven't seen or been brainwashed through the way people have learned to accept that reality is. They're outside-the-box thinkers, and they only encompass love, and they only want love. And If you really want to know what life's purpose is, sit down with a child, and they'll show you really fast. (laughs)
2: how did you get so smart here i mean from the doctors thinking you might end up a vegetable to being
3: extremely Uh, wise i tend to read a lot but you know i've come to a certain point where i don't even read that much anymore i just look at things and i really listen with an open heart and i see that without being a scientist i followed quantum physics to try to figure out where schrodinger's cat is at you know it's not until you exactly observe something in a defined position that it has any meaning whatsoever in quantum physics we're coming to a day and age where science is going to prove that we are so much more than you could ever imagine that reality is nothing but a group collective dream of everybody working together, and if everybody in the world agreed upon that love and happiness is what we were seeking we would see a world that would reflect love and happiness i think right now a lot of people are focusing on the fact that money is having its way with the direction of the planet making all the money in the world isn't always what's best for nature if we study nature and we see how it cooperates with itself it doesn't compete against itself at all for example they've done research on ivy plants when it grows it has spatial awareness Another ivy plant will not grow over another ivy plant because it will kill it and strangle it, and neither one will get that much light. They've done the same research on birch trees that they don't compete against each other, especially if they're born from the same birthing tree, for example. Uh, there's TED Talks on plant consciousness and the way water crystals form, for example. Dr. Amoto done some research on yes. water crystal formation. And just the thought and prayers put behind the thought of water changes the way they crystallize. Now, our body is over 90% water, and this is one of the most unique things that I want to share with you that I've seen in creation, just looking at nature, and it might help a scientist out there. Everything around us is in perfect proportions to everything that we are, everything that surrounds us is in perfect proportions to who we are. For example, if you were to take the entire universe and break it down, hydrogen, carbon, every single element in a pie chart, and then you were to compare that to Earth, you're going to see the same similarities between Earth and the human body. And the human body is literally an aspect, a mirrored reflection of all of creation. And just like our bodies are 90% water, and the rest carbon so is our planet
2: you've left us something so empowering you had just brought up Dr. Emoto and I know of him doing a rice experiment that Mm -hmm. um, you've heard me say on the show before but he had people all over Japan take one pot of rice and divide it into two jars and In one room, they'd place one jar and people would think negative thoughts and say negative words and in the other room, all positive. And at the end of the month, the rice that got the positive words, it was like a golden color and smelled nutty and the one Mm -hmm. in the other room turned black.
3: Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. The power of thought has so much more power than we can ever imagine. And that's why I've been waging a war against the news because they try to tell you what to think. yourself. I'm not teaching people what to think. I'm teaching them how to think. And I think that's more important is people can see things clearly for what they are for themselves and how they apply it. Dr. Emoto's research, I've done my own experiments. Here's one that you can do as well. I'll share with you. Take at least three people, uh, take a coin. Everybody agree on what side that coin is going to flip over mm, every time. So if you agree on heads, Everybody there agrees on heads. Now, if you have a skeptic, this will not work because the skeptic will be the negativity that blocks this experiment from happening. But if you all truly believe it's going to flip over heads more than 50% of the time, I don't care how many times you do this, flip it over 10 times. If you agree 10 times, it's going to be heads more often than tails. As many times as you do this experiment, it will be heads more often than tails.
2: Oh, that's cool. I saw Dr. Russell Targ He's a physicist, invented the laser beam and he got into a lot with consciousness and remote viewing and I saw a documentary that they had a random number generator and same kind of thing, people with enough positive intention Mm -hmm. could swing what this random number generator did. So it was like ones and zeros and they could actually have it be more than 50% like the ones showed up based on their intention.
3: That's what I'm saying. You are connected oh, to everything cool. around you. Everybody is. And that's why quantum entanglement, for example, we could take a, an electron from an atom and stretch it off to the other side of the universe. When we interact with that atom immediately, some type of information is transferred all the way to the other electron on the other side of the universe as if they are together already. Now that proves that relativity is wrong. That proves that our modern understanding of science with relativity is completely out the window. What that does prove is everybody is connected. And the only separation of self is the illusion of what our senses are telling us that we are separate from. But that's why nature cooperates with itself it doesn't use man-made labels and define this tree or that tree or this or that. It sees everything as just one working, one perfect process. And uh, I think we have a lot to learn from nature. It really is a, a good teacher. I've, I've looked a lot of Indian beliefs, and I really uh, I like some of the Hopi Indian beliefs. They were really one with nature, and they took great knowledge from nature and applied it to their own culture very uniquely.
2: Wow. Josh, just looking at the time, it's about time to come to an end. The feeling that I have coming through me now, and, and maybe you could just share a little bit about this, is somebody could be listening mm-hmm. to this being 20 years old. Somebody could be listening mm-hmm. right now and being 85. There's that sense of, oh, I should have started this sooner or it's too late for me.
3: Mm-hmm. It, That's regret. And uh, I've written a lot of poetry about regret. and. Regret is only the negative aspect. You're focusing on the negative aspect, holding yourself back. You're trying to talk yourself out of doing something before you even give it a go. You'll find out that every journey begins with a baby step. You've never made it anywhere in life by not trying. Right. And as long as you continue to take those steps, the more you apply yourself, the more results you're going to see. This reality gives people exactly what they deserve. God's will is happening. Even sometimes we may not understand it from our point of view. You're playing the role that you're supposed to play. Everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to do. If they are trying to change and they want to change, then regret is not something that facilitates change in a positive outlook. If you want change to be in a, a positive outcome, surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with positive things and you'll see positive results.
2: Wow, so from this moment forward, we can change, we can, I think we should all get out a couple of bananas and see how mm-hmm. powerful we are, and exactly. this can really enrich our lives, and I'm of the belief that when we close our eyes the last time in this life, we open them in another great reality, That's so
3: true. and That's to be so able
2: true. to look back and no matter how many days each one of us have left to be living in this miracle of knowing our full potential or exactly. quite a bit. Oh, Josh, thanks so much. Do you join the gift. Yeah. Do you welcome people getting in touch with you if they want to?
3: Oh, yeah. If uh, anybody had a reason, Dr. Adawaz reached out to me. Yeah. I've, uh, I've talked to many people that are having trouble losing loved ones. For example, I've lost... Both sets of my grandparents and my mother's battling cancer yeah. right now. And pain is not something that's easy to be dealt with, but draw your loved ones close and count your blessings because more often than not, if you focus on the negative, that's what will happen. Focus on your blessings and the time you have left and the time you've spent with them and all the loving memories that you've already achieved. That is something to be grateful for in itself. And it was a gift. And there's more than likely when one door shuts, another always
2: opens. Very good. And if anyone's looking to get in touch with Josh, he can easily be found on Facebook. Josh Lucian, L-U-C-I-O-N. Josh, thank you so much for being our guest today.
3: Thank you so much for hearing um, everything I've witnessed as a child. And I still remember as if it's yesterday. I try to live my life by... Some of the key lessons I've learned there is treat everybody as if it could be you, because it might just be. The right. one quote that that I really want to leave everybody with is, uh, you are what you love if you love what you are.
2: Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Josh Lucian. And thank you for our listener for spending this hour with us. It's really been a value to me. So I'm guessing it's a value to you too. It's
3: been a great blessing and I wish you well in everything you do and keep at it. Your your radio show is awesome and you'll always have me as a listener.
2: Thank you. That means so much. and. To our listeners, thank you for being with us today. Life is difficult, and when we go through certain times of the years, like holidays and birthdays, it can be very, very tough. So we have so many things that we give to support you on that. Our home base is we wedontdie.com, and if you scroll down and join my email list, it says you can read a few chapters of my book. The truth is, it's the whole book, including Chapter 10, which is a very powerful chapter on how to survive grief. We also offer so many online things on Zoom, including psychic and medium classes. We've got medium demonstrations, and of course, our free Sunday gathering, which is very empowering with a medium demonstration as part of it. I'm Sandra Champlain, and you've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife